It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Nino smacks one in the air to deep left center. Back goes Ozuna onto the warning track at the wall. It's out of here! The Mets take the lead in the ninth on a Tomas Nino. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Shea Station Podcast. It is episode 125. It is Thursday, January 19th. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jack, a.k.a. Jolly. Joining me, and only me this time, is Jerry Blevins. We've had a lot of guests recently, Jerry. We haven't been able to sit down and just chat in a while. Hello, this is doing? nice. You know, I get to admire your new haircut. Uh, even though you got a good <laughs> lid on it today, you've got uh, the... The dad hat. Exactly. The black Mets hat, which is solid. Um, yeah, but I feel like we've we've had good guests, but I miss just chatting with you, my friend. I know, man. Such a crowded space with all these great guests. But they, they were <laughs> awesome, Steve Gelbs and Jay Horowitz. But we have a little bit of news to talk about, which is nice. The Mets kind of went quiet after the Carlos Correa situation, but have begun making waves again with a couple moves that I really like. Before we get to those moves, uh, did you hear what Boris had to say about how the Mets handled it? Uh, I did. Do you want to break it down for the audience? I mean, I, I, I feel it like it's, it's something we have to cover. He was he seemed a little bit sour about a how the peeved. Mets did it. And I get it because they didn't uncover any new information is basically what what Boris had to say was right. like, all right, you saw what the Giants did, you knew who the Giants doctors were. So you said, hey, this offer still stands. Why don't you come mm. over to Queens? And so they were like, all right, dude, you, you understand what's going on. They didn't. He's like the Mets looked at the same thing, consulted the same doctors and were like shocked. <laughs> and so he was pretty disappointed. And I get it because when I saw that the Mets had signed them basically out from under the giants. I was like, Oh, they don't care about the same medical issues. And so they're like, look, we, our doctors feel like this is fine. So while the giants ponder it, let's come in in good faith and scoop them up. And it just didn't work out that way. And so it seems like Boris and Correa felt the same way. So I thought it was important um, to cover since Boris has a lot of sway and a lot of clients. Yeah. Um, Obviously, he likes he likes the way the the Mets treated Nito, so there's no mm. problem or um, Nemo, <laughs> so there's no problem with that. Yeah, I uh, I mean the big quote that went around was I don't understand the Mets, which you know is fair. A lot of people are grappling the Mets in good ways and bad ways right now. <laughs> uh, and I thought that Scott Boris and Steve Cohen were set up to be friends for the foreseeable future and uh, have a lot of clients come down to New York. And now I don't know where that relationship stands exactly. Um, I said this in the Correa episode where he was not a Met that whatever we don't know about the physical must be very, very serious. I mean, for the Mets to go through this three-week saga and pull out. But yeah, it does beg the question, using the same doctors, how many opinions did they get? Like, what? where did the final offer land? Like, there's a lot of things we don't know and probably will not know as we kind of move away from this situation. Yeah, but- it felt... 
it, it felt like the Mets saw something differently than the Giants did. And so they're like, look, we'll take you. And then they were like, wait a minute. No. So I get it. I don't think the relationship between Steve Cohen and Scott Boris is any bit different because mm. that's two power brokers that are capable of standing and handling their own in right. a situation. Um, I think if anything, Boris is like, all right, I respect this guy a little bit. Hope so. so Hope that's yeah, the he, case because he handles, like you said, whole lot of good players and probably yeah. Both for the uh, and his his bottom line is the bottom line. So right. Stevie Cohen is very good on on paying players what they they deserve and what they're worth. Um, so Boris would be out of his mind to eliminate <laughs> New York from from. But I just thought it was important to cover before we move. No, to definitely some really good signings. Yeah, so the Mets uh, got back on the market. We kind of saw the outfield market that had, honestly, a, a decent bit of good names left start to dwindle a little bit. We saw Trey Mancini go to the Cubs. Then we saw Adam Duvall go to the Boston Red Sox. And the Mets kind of had the lingering question of who is going to be the fourth outfielder because for a while it's kind of been Jeff McNeil, you know, moving between left field and even right field. But I think they want him probably at second base primarily. So one of the objectives was bolster the bench, get somebody that can play the corner outfield positions and uh, produce a little bit of offense. And the answer was Tommy Pham on a one-year $6 million deal. It's probably going to become official today at some point, and he can get $2 million more in incentives. I like this deal. A lot of people seem to have an issue with it for kind of silly reasons, in my opinion, but I'm a fan. Um, what are What are the issues you think that are silly? I think a lot of people cited the fantasy football incident, which I found kind of interesting. I mean, you know, I've been in fantasy football leagues where I've been pretty angry at trades made (laughs) and I'm just, I'm the first one to say it. I haven't been in the, I haven't been in person to slap them in the face, but you know, given the chance in the moment, you never know. I might've acted up who knows. Yeah. But would you uh, chase him down months later and assault (laughs) him uh, on video? I'm not Uh, that guy. I like Tommy fam as a player. I don't know him as a person. Um, I have respect for him, but the fact that he, to me, he physically assaulted <laughs> Jock Peterson. Like you're, yeah. you're a grown man. You don't, you don't hit other people. Like you handle your business in other forms. So um, I understand some clubhouse question marks, um, but I don't think it's going to be an issue. I think Tommy Pham clearly has shown outside of that that he can he can play some ball and be a good teammate um so there aren't issues uh, for me there but i can understand some of the concerns because i i do think that there's some issues there that 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 could spark i I, you know the baseball field and and being around grown men constantly playing a little kids games there are a lot of you lose track of of (laughs) you lose track of reality and, and circumstance sure. in, in a lot of senses, but I, I think it's a good sign, man. He's a solid outfielder um, that can play some defense that has some really good numbers against lefties career, had a down year a little bit, um, but I think is a, a really good fourth outfielder. One that we've been kind of missing um, a piece that we've been missing organizationally with the Mets uh, for a while. Yeah, I definitely agree there. Um I think that there's a lot of things to like, a lot of things to kind of raise your eyebrow at. But one thing I put in our outline here was the recent fourth outfielders that the Mets have had. You know, we had Tyler Naquin last year, who was really good at the start and kind of fell off, you know, towards the end of the season. But the season before, 
You saw your Albert Almora's out there. You saw Cameron Mabin and his one for 30 stretch. You know, there was a, that was a hole in the roster that has been there since pretty much the regime took over. So I'm glad that it's kind of finally being addressed and a one year, $6 million deal compared to some of the other spending that Steve Cohen and Billy Epler have done this off season is, you know, non-minimal damage. If the contract doesn't work out, uh, fam is coming off probably the weakest full season of his career got traded in the middle of the season from the Reds to the Red Sox. Um, not a lot of things to love in terms of like OPS plus, but he did play the full season and he has sort of been a beacon of health his entire career when he's been playing full time. And the big thing that comes with fam is kind of a similar thing that came with Darren Ruff. So I'm not going to put too much stock into it, but fam is another one of these guys that has crushed lefties throughout his entire career, 843 career OPS against lefties last year, 784. So still a really good mark there. That's a 115 OPS plus. So if nothing else, fam will play against lefties, play the corner outfield positions, and will most likely produce at a league average level. And I think that's kind of what the Mets just need for this roster right now. Uh, I agree, man. Uh, I, I would have loved to have seen them go after Adam Duvall. Yeah, I do too. But uh, Duvall probably wanted, um, you mentioned it in the notes, probably wanted a starting option. Yes. Um, he is a streaky hitter, uh, a lot of swing and miss in his his approach. So the more at-bats he gets, the more chances he gets to hit the ball. Mm. But I think a lot of people overlook Adam Duvall's ability to play defense. Yes. He's a gold glove winner and he is a fantastic outfielder with a very strong arm. So for me, a fourth outfielder with a, with a, a lot of pop in his bat and great defense, if you can get those and get him, you know, semi-regular at bats, it would, I think it would be beneficial. But if you're not going to do that, I like the route that they went. They didn't get Duvall. So I like where Tommy Pham fits in with this club because he puts the bat on the ball. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And if we had got Duvall, I would have been very excited because in my mind, he's still a starting caliber player. He was a starter for the 2021 Braves team that won the World Series, and he was really good that year for them. So I think he's fully due for a bounce back. He had a wrist injury last year that probably plagued his hitting a little bit. And he's a guy that can play center field. And Tommy Pham doesn't really bring that to the table. He's an okay defender. He does have a great arm for corner outfield positions, but he doesn't have that center field upside that you'd see with Duvall. I think I like it more than Mancini, though, because Mancini had a lot of defensive limitations. He really was only a left fielder, and he might have more offensive upside. But again, that's a guy looking for a starting spot, can play first base, where he probably wouldn't have played first base here with Pete Alonso manning that position. So I like it overall. It's it's the best thing you could have done from the position that you were in. He was kind of the last of the, the good outfielders left on the market. Yeah, they didn't want to fill that role with a young guy <laughs> to struggle, yep. you know, um, or not get that many at bats. It's it's difficult coming off the bench. It's difficult not knowing when and where you're going to play. Um, and Tommy Pham taking six million to be a you know a fourth guy. That's a pretty legit deal for him as well. So yeah. So the Mets add another major league contract this offseason. They have ten now. It's the most in team history. That's tied for that mark. And uh, the one thing I want to say with Tommy Pham that I'm hoping we'll see a bounce back in is that. You know, this is a Mets team full of on-base machines, and Tommy Pham's signature throughout his career has been a guy that can get on base through walking. And he did have the lowest walk rate of his career last season at 9.0%, which is still pretty good. That's still near a 10% mark. That's a good mark, in my opinion. I'm hoping that the strikeout rate of 26.9% can come down next year, maybe with less playing time and more situations where you're put to succeed can help him out a little bit. And it does kind of paint an interesting 
challenge or or you know series of battles in spring training with him and Darren Ruff because they kind of profile as a similar role in my opinion. Ruff is that corner outfielder, maybe a DH who's supposed to crush lefties. Fam is kind of in a similar vein there, so maybe there is a little bit of competition. Maybe they both make the roster, and that you know makes for a pretty good bench considering their track record. But uh, Darren Ruff, the uh, the competition in spring training, he's going to get reps because he's not in the World Baseball Classic. It's going to be interesting. Yeah the <laughs> the Darren Ruff saga. It's like <sighs> a it's like a soap opera because you you traded. That was the one move where they got rid of a bunch of prospects. Um, so you feel kind of attached to him just because you want to get like, something. Hopefully we get something out of this. Um, I think he's either got some left in the tank or he's old now. And yeah. it's, it's, you know, I'm at the flip of a coin. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling for him. He seems like a great guy. It'd be a great addition. We needed him down the stretch and he wasn't there. So hopefully, you know, an off season of figuring it out can prolong his career because the Mets need that kind of guy. So. Yeah. And I mean, it's not like, you know, we're all rooting for him. And I think if you get the Darren Ruff that you saw for the 2021 Giants who won 107 games, he was a big piece of that lineup playing most days against lefties and consistently producing. But it's just, you know, you saw a, a void of that in 2022. So I agree. Offseason to kind of I'm rooting for it, man. I'm, I'm all about redemption. It. I'm all about redemption. Second chances. Give your give the fans. Can you imagine if like the he became he hits like 35 home runs and limited Dude. play you know what i mean like a cult hero from you know a, a scapegoat I, no but it's true they, you could it's literally possible. point to the one win the mets fell behind in the NLE standings last year and point to a guy like ruff and be like you know maybe if that's somebody else we win the NLEs because that's just how the metrics balance out but at the same time the pop for Darren Ruff's first Mets home run would be electric. It would be insane. <laughs> so I'm I'm hoping for the best. I forgot that he didn't hit one. He didn't hit one. Yeah, he didn't that's hit one. That's it's shock. tough. It's tough. But Tommy Fan will be here next year. Darren Ruff still has, I think, two years of control left. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic between the two. Um, and the Mets kind of have a filled out bench now between Guillaume. They have Tommy Fan there, Darren Ruff. Hey everyone, just want to take a brief break from today's episode to tell you about today's sponsor, DraftKings. Guys, we are in the home stretch of the NFL playoffs. Four teams remain, only one team can win. If you're from New York, even if you're a Mets fan or Yankees fan, I hope that you're rooting for the Giants. And if you want to, you can play some bets on the official sports betting partner of the NFL, the DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly. Try out same-game parlays as well, where you can combine multiple bets from one game, like which team will win, by how much, is Daniel Jones going to throw a passing TD, Saquon Barkley rushing for 100. You can combine all of those for a shot at even bigger winnings. DraftKings has some really special offers offer so even if you're a primary baseball fan a secondary football fan i highly suggest you download their app today hop on and take advantage of those offers download their app now it's free and easy to use new customers can use promo code shay bet five dollars on any nfl playoffs game and get two hundred dollars in bonus bets instantly promo code shay at the DraftKings sportsbook thank you to them for sponsoring today's episode and now back to the action a guy who just got a bag of his own something i'm very very happy about as one of the longest tenured Mets now for two more years, he will be part of this team. Tomas Nito gets an extension from the brass, a $3.7 million contract. It's going to cover the rest of his arbitration. I think it's kind of like a good faith signing. I think a lot of guys on the staff love pitching to Tomas Nito. 
this just feels like a very safe kind of no brainer decision that wasn't even in my brain until I saw it happen. And it just makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, you nailed it. I think it's uh it's great. It, Nito is a staple of this organization. Um, he's a fun person to be around. Uh, and this gives him some security. It lets him know that the team appreciates what he brings to the table. And it lets the the pitching staff know that, hey, this guy's going to be around. It's just a just a really good move. Two years left on his deal uh, on arbitration. And they said, look, we don't need to, you know, fart around and, and pretend that we're not going to keep you and not, you know, fake the non-tender role, whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. You commit to a guy that's really good at his job as a backup catcher, even though he stepped up a lot last year. Yeah. Um, and that he's just a good person for the organization. A- another really good signal to players in the Mets organization that, you know, we care about character as well as on-field play. So shout out to Nito and his, and his lovely wife and their uh, TS2 now, brand new baby, just, wow. just born recently. Congratulations. Um, good for him. He gets to, he gets to uh, have some security. So that's, that's wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, after seeing the 40 million doled out to McCann, it's nice to see Nito get that bag because he did come up big in a lot of spots for the Mets in the past two years. Uh, He set a career high in games last year. He's been one of the best framers in the league. And that's something that could go to the wayside with, you know, robot umps now being in AAA next year. I don't know if you heard about that. Yeah, that's wild. Climbing and climbing. So maybe that role fades into obscurity. But for now, that's something that the Mets need. They need a good defensive catcher. Nito has a great arm behind the plate. And, you know, it's kind of a clubhouse culture thing, too. We know how close he is with a lot of the other players on the roster. And it also kind of contributes to a report I saw from Andy Martino, which really contradicted a lot of the things that I've said on the show for a while, because I was operating under the theory that maybe Francisco Alvarez could be a righty DH option. And apparently that is not in the Mets plans at all. They view him as the catcher of the future, and he's not going to be with the team until he is ready to catch regularly. So for now, they kind of needed Tomasino to be locked up alongside Narvaez. And it looks like Francisco Alvarez is probably going to be on AAA to start the year. Yep. Shock to me, but I actually like it. Again, it's it shows some patience. I do think that he needs to come up and at some point and get a chance, but it's all about those everyday at-bats that we yeah. talked about. I agree that the fact that he can't be the everyday catcher because his development behind the plate is not quite there yet. He needs some seasoning. I think that's the only reason why he's going to be down because it's very important. His value, if he can hit like he's hit and be a serviceable catcher behind mm. the plate in the big leagues, oh my goodness. Yeah. If he has to slide over to DH, a lot of that value disappears. He could still be a very good big leaguer, but a catcher that can hit, you know, we see what JT Real Muto does. And how valuable that is because, you know, a lot of catchers are are glove first and then just, you know, swing a wet noodle, uh, you know, at the dish. And so it, it'd be great to have some thump, you know, a la, you know, Mike Piazza. But I think he's got really good defensive upside, too, because he's got a cannon for an arm. He's a stout back there. I think he's he can learn the position defensively. Um, as well as iron out some of his his things at the dish. Um, I'm not excited about the fact that he's not going to be on the roster because it's, it's very exciting. But as a development standpoint, you got to have him, ha- you know, he's got to have everyday at-bats and being a catcher, let him catch. 
it's a, it's the smart move. When they signed Narvaez, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Because you can't DH that guy. And I didn't want to burst your bubble um, because I've been wrong a million times. But I'm glad that they went that route because you don't want to you don't want to steal a kid from his his catching roots because you you can't just leave and then get back to catching. Right. It's not like right. riding a bike. That's something that you got to continue to work at. No, definitely like systematically it's 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 a smart decision to have a catcher in the pipeline you know develop and learn the position a little bit better and i think alvarez got like a really small amount of run at triple a before getting the call at the end of the season so logically it makes sense but the fan in me wants to see this guy as soon as possible the fan in me wants to see the power bat that can finally protect and you know compete with pete alonzo a little bit so i think that's kind of where i have the sore spot but if i'm the gm of the mets Logically, this makes perfect sense. I mean, you you sign Omar Narvaez, who has the offensive upside. You lock up Tomas Nito, who has the defensive upside. And you can let Francisco Alvarez work, who has the potential upside of both of those uh, facets. So, makes sense. Still a little disappointing. But the Mets have a very bright catching future with him and Kevin Parada, who's been tearing up the minors. So, all good things. And I'm very glad Tomas Nito got paid. Well, yeah, all I agree with every every bit of that. Shout out to Kevin Parada. Like, We've talked to him a couple of times. Seems like an awesome kid. He's so a gamer. That's exciting. But I'll give you this. Uh, Francisco Alvarez can force his way into the big leagues. The Mets oh, yeah. are a team that is not – they're willing to make good if they're wrong. They gave themselves a safety blanket with Narvaez is signing, um, extending Nito, so, and then getting rid of McCann if – he shows up to spring training Alvarez and he's catching and looking beautiful. The, you know, Scherzer, Verlander, Quintana are like, yeah, this guy's legit back there. He's handling the everything. Mm-hmm. He's, he's got a great attitude and he's, you know, hitting the cover off the ball. They, they may send him down for a minute just to see how things go, but he can force his way into everyday playing. I promise you that. I mean, the Mets made that controversial decision to bring up Pete Alonso at the beginning of the 2019 season, sacrifice that year of control to get him for that first month. And it was worth it because he came up and was immediately a stud for them. And it probably won't happen in the same way for Francisco Alvarez. But I agree if, you know, if the talent is there and he's putting up those video game numbers that he's capable of, I think your your hands are going to be tied. You're going to have no choice but to bring him up because it's going to be a very competitive race for six months in the NL. I think they won it. I think they won it, but I think they did the right thing by not having to have Francisco Alvarez if he's not ready. So I think they bought themselves um, a little bit of slack with him. Um, But if he's ready they're they'll, they'll swallow some pride and, and then move on if they have to, because the kid's special and, like we've been talking about, we need some pop. We need some protection behind Pete Alonso. And if he's capable of doing that, they're like, all right, awesome. We're he's ready. Let's get him. Mm-hmm. Let's, you know, that's it. So it's exciting. And it's, it's a little bit disappointing that they don't think he's ready, but it's probably the smart move. And they've done a lot of things this last few years that shown that they're, they're willing to do the smart thing versus, you know, pressure. Right. And like you've seen, we've seen the Mets be backed into a corner with their prospects. They had to kind of throw Brett Beatty into the fire 
with Eduardo Escobar being out a couple of years ago, Khalil Lee had to play center field and he was not ready at all because there was just no depth there. So taking the precautionary action to prevent that kind of situation with your kind of diamond jewel prospect in Francisco Alvarez is objectively smart, but the fan in me will still be a little sad. Yes. Yes. I'm with you 100%. <laughs> Uh, I wanted to uh, pick your brain actually about some news that came out yesterday that I was also as a fan, very excited about uh, the new Mets hall of fame inductions, some four star studded names there, Al Leiter, Howard Johnson, Howie Rose, and of course, Gary Cohen, all getting the nod last year. You've gotten to work alongside some of these guys. And I think, you know, just a a nice speech from Jerry Blevins would, would do it a lot of justice because these are guys that have been so influential and important to the organization. Yeah, I think it's another wonderful sign about the new ownership group um, on how they're treating their alumni and people that really do mean something to an organization on and off the field. So shout out. Number one for me is, you know, is Howie Rose, because that's Mm. the guy that I had the the, the closest relationship with. So amazingly deserving. Uh, It's incredible. I think, you know, the the Mets booth on on the radio side and the TV side is going to be different in the next few years. You know, Wayne. Yeah, Wayne's gone, and and you know, good for him. He wanted to be a TV guy anyway. He deserves it. Uh, he deserves it, and the Angels are are better for it. Good for him. Um, but Howie's the Hall of Famer without it. So for him to be in the Mets Hall of Fame, and again, they do it now. They don't wait until you know ten years later. You know, they let a guy into the Hall of Fame when he's kind of still around. You know, the one of the saddest parts about the the Tom Seaver statue is the fact that he couldn't be there to appreciate it. So it's nice for me to see these guys come around. Piazza retirement. Keith Hernandez, uh, you know, his number retired. You know, bringing Gary Cohen. I mean, these two, Gary Cohen and Howie Rose have been I don't how how many years have they been the voices? I think Gary since 05, Howie probably longer, right? Yeah, it has to be. And so to have these guys, there's a full probably two generations of Mets fans that know more about Howie and Gary or more about the Mets through their, you know, lens than they do anything. So it's a beautiful combination of these two guys, Howie Rose, Gary Cohen. I've admired both of them, you know, seeing I talked to Gary Cohen about it and it's the same goes for radio. The there's 25 now 26 guys on each baseball team, but there's only one play-by-play guy. Now that's cutthroat. There's 30 of them in the big leagues. That is even harder to do than be a ball player. And so to get to the top, to stay on top between Howie and Gary, the Mets have been so blessed, um, spoiled even. Uh, on those aspects so congratulations to them well deserved um and then for the baseball side uh again al Leiter is you know a premier pitching guy from the the mets those are the the guys that i think about you know you think about siever and you think about kuzman and, and doc um nolan ryan kind of pops in but right there is like al Leiter for me I always think when I when I picture Al Leiter, I think of him uh, just dominating in a Mets uniform. And so mm-hmm. for him, for Howard Johnson, that that's like a, a lifelong Met, like that guy. How many years did he spend with New York? Nine years in his prime. Just beautiful, like a a, a gritty All Star 
you know, perennial MVP, silver slugger type guy, um, you know, middle infield, outfield, or third baseman, outfielder guy. That just it, it's so, part of the DNA of the the New York Mets and a guy that these guys are legitimately great baseball players that outside of the Cooperstown and they're you know they're not going to make it into that Hall of Fame at least you know some partially it's but in a Mets uniform they definitely deserve to be there so I, I'm really excited and, and it's another one of those things where. You know, the guys are are old enough now to appreciate it. You know, Howard Johnson's in his 60s. I think Lighter's the same way. It's it's beautiful. And as a former ball player, um, to see a guy that that really made an impact not be forgotten, um, it's a weird thing to hang up and and to to not be a ball player anymore at such a young age. It's nice uh tip of the cap and appreciation for a guy that dedicated uh, a majority of his life to be successful in a Mets uniform. So, so shout out to those guys there, Howard Johnson, Al Leiter, two ball players that, that easily deserve to be in the Mets hall of fame and Gary Cohen and Howie Rose, who are hall of famers above the Mets, but definitely this is a nice move for them. Yeah. I mean, it's such a solid class Four guys that are, I think important to the organization all for different reasons. I mean, Howard Johnson sticks out to me. He's not someone I grew up watching, but he was an important mentor to one of my favorite players of all time, David Wright. David Wright might not be the player he was if not for Howard Johnson. And, and he his says influence. the same. Exactly. Yep. Al Leiter pitched some of the biggest games in the late 90s, early 2000s for the Mets. He isn't remembered as one of those top aces of the club because maybe he didn't spend the entire career there. But seeing him at Old Timers Day was awesome because when I think of him, you don't think of him as a, as a Blue Jay or a Yankee. You think of him as a Met. And then obviously, you know, the voice of the Mets for my entire life has been Gary Cohen and Howie Rose. And I think that just honoring like the the preservation of the Mets culture and the history is something we talked about with Jay Horowitz when he was on. We talked about it with Steve as well. It's just important to the fans, I think, you know, first and foremost, because, you know, you see a different roster every year, but you're always going to have the guys that stick out in your brain forever and you don't want, like you said, you don't want them to be forgotten because they contribute to a lot of important memories to you as a sports fan. So I think the honoring that the Mets do for them, even if they're not all champions, that doesn't matter. They're still important people to the fans that grew up with this team and have stuck with this team through and through, through all the different ownership and general managers and players that have come through. I think having that preservation of those memories is so important and the Mets continue to do it every passing year, which is really, really encouraging. And it kind of leaves me excited as a fan because I'm wondering, okay, who's going to be next year? You know, who's on my list of guys that I want to see up there as well. But I think this group of four is studded, star studded for sure. Yeah, I don't I don't think you can argue against any of these four guys. Uh, And I don't think um, I don't think any Mets fans doesn't doesn't appreciate the tenure. You know, I mean, Al Leiter, the lefty starter, a guy that, you know, uh, when I was in high school, and and growing up, he was a Met. That's the that's who I view a lefty pitcher. He, he was in the black uniforms. Like right. that's that's him. That's the guy. That's the era. Um, and he's he's a mentor of, of of sorts. He's he came into spring training to take a look at some guys. He's he's one of those. I think Stevie Cohen really appreciates his tenure as a Met. One of one of those types of guys. And then Howard Johnson, obviously. Like just I'm so happy. Um to see these guys appreciated and for the fans again with, with the alumni reaching out 
uh, it's just a, it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah. I mean, they just keep making the right decisions on behalf of the fans. It's really cool to say. Uh, so while they're preserving the past and honoring the past, they're also building for the future. You like that segue there? That was pretty good. Uh, the Mets have a stacked board in the top 100 prospects from baseball America this year. They have six guys, one of the highest totals from any team. Two of them are catchers, which is really, really cool. You have Francisco Alvarez, Kodai Senga, who counts as a prospect, which I think is Does fun. he count? I don't count. He's 30, him. so like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, but he technically is, and he's right. I don't think he's going to touch a minor league mound ever. Don't think so. Uh, <laughs> Brett Beatty, Kevin Prada, Alex Ramirez, and Jet Williams, they round out the group there. Uh, the Mets continue to protect their farm system, build it, garner up those picks through the qualifying offer system. Very, very cool to see. Uh, there's also former Mets prospects on there, Pete Crow Armstrong and Andy Rodriguez. And I think that just goes to show how well the scouting department has done the past few years. As, uh, you know, the Mets, you know, we've spent a lot of money, but I think one thing that I'm really excited for is to see how these young guys pan out and see the next group of Mets lifers. Because I kind of look at this active roster and there's, you know, there's not a lot of long-tenured Mets. It's a lot of new faces. And the teams that I'm very fond of from, you know, earlier in my life, you know, the Michael Confortos were on that team, all, all the guys like that, you know, Jacob DeGroms, Zach Wheelers. So it's nice to see the potential next crop of guys who will be under control with the Mets for a while and hopefully will be producing at the big league level. Yeah, again, you nailed it. It's it's one of those things where, um, you know, we were just honoring Al Leiter and Howard Johnson. Um you, these are possible future, you know, Hall of Famers for the Mets. The, these are guys that are coming through the system that you may be able to piece together with some guys as they as they come into their own. So it's exciting. And again, from a very depleted minor league system to you know one of the best in baseball and still building for the future, um, it, it's awesome. I am itching for spring training, dude. It's getting to that point where I'm I'm just watching baseball highlights all the time. I'm ready it's to pretty, go. It's I'm ready to go too. You know, I, I said something <laughs> the other day about like feeling this is the time of year where I'm like yeah, you're normally fired up yeah. and ready. Yeah, I'm like ready for competition. And I, I still feel that same way internally. Um, but now I get to cover it. So I'm excited for the guys to get together to come in and you start seeing, you know, seeing people on the mound, hearing the pop of the glove, like it's it's exciting and all these all these spring trainings are now so condensed and so mm -hmm. it doesn't you don't have time to feel it out it's like get them and go it's crazy and we have 27 more days until mets pitchers and catchers report 27 who do you think of in uniform number 27 right is that todd zeal is that right is that a, i think in that is that jared's familia oh is that fama wait let me see so todd zeal because I know he had, yeah, okay, so he was number 27. Was Familia 27? I want to say. No, Familia, oh no, Familia was 27. Oh, so that's who, yeah, that's who I was thinking of. I blew it. They're both 27. They're both 27. Okay, well, uh, I guess uh, I'm torn because that's a, a friend of mine. <laughs> that's a co-worker. And then a co-worker. Uh, I love Fama, so. I'm an all-time Fama defender. One yep. of the best relievers in Mets history. It's yeah, true. where's he at this year? Do we know? Is he still? Is he I think still he's still unsigned, but he's okay. only 33. Come on, guys. We've seen yeah. him in his prime. Let's go. Someone give him a chance. It's ridiculous. Okay. Well, I think of Jerry's Familia. I think of Todd Zeal, and that's perfectly okay. 
Um, my my view of Todd Zeal doesn't have a number on it. He's rocking a suit. Right, right, of course. Of with course. a great tan, always. <laughs> I think that's all we got, Jerry. All right. That was a good one. A little yeah, streamlined. I like it. Yeah, a little I, like streamlined. It. I miss uh, just you and I. I know. It's been a while. This was nice. No other third uh, person to work around. I do miss hearing the sultry voice of, of Jack in the background, too. I Other know. Jack. Audio He's at Jack. home today. He's working on Ref Guess right now. Is he? Beautiful. Yeah. How's that going? It's going well. People hey, are you guys like, insane for it. Let's give a shout out for Ref Guess real quick. Let's, 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 your ad for Ref Guess, give it. All right. So for those who don't know and don't uh, go on JM Baseball on YouTube, we play a fun game where we screenshot baseball references, uh, baseball reference pages without the name on them. And you get the teams, the years, the stats and everything. You have to guess who the ball player is. And it started as a fun little show that me and a couple of coworkers did on the side and turned into one of the most popular jumbo media series that we have now. And it's evolved into a Twitter account that we started like five days ago. That's already at 2000 followers. So if you're interested in playing along, we post one there every day at noon, uh, and a lot of people, we get, t- we get like 50 responses every day from people just itching you, to guess a baseball player, including you. Stumped you stumped me. You stumped I me. I got you. Uh, the, not just that, the Danny Valencia one. That's a good one. Good that got player. me. I didn't know. I didn't know who it was. So was many like, teams. I know this. You got me. So they're hard. They're difficult. They're there. Some of them are easy, but, uh, I, I love it. It's so fun because you, you get to take a, a snapshot and and try to figure it out and you you test your your baseball knowledge so it's beautiful it's fun and by all accounts since you know you only had that one appearance on refgas you still have the all-time record of a, an 100% correct rate on refgas well you know, no one else was uh, perfect me and me and max manis are known for our prowess <laughs> we got to have you guys face off one day that'd be good <laughs> if in a speed round i'm out <laughs> all right we'll see you guys sometime right, next week uh, PPPs I started writing, which I'm very excited about. Those will be oh, that's that's well. our that's the big one. That's probably one month from in. now, I think we'll probably get going. Beautiful, but that's keep those keep those notes coming, then. Oh, you yeah. do all you do all the hard work. I got the lackey work. <laughs> <laughs> all right, buddy. All right, guys, guys, take care. Listening. Let's go, Mets. Let's go, Mets.